Hi everyone, welcome back to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. Can you believe that we are already in the first week of June? It feels like the year just started a few weeks ago and now here we are six months in, only a few weeks away from the official start of summer, though I think it has already begun where I live. We have already had a few days in the high 80s and lots and lots of humidity. I don't know about you, but humidity is not my friend at all. I put in the work to make my hair look somewhat decent, only to step outside and have it all come to naught in just a few minutes. There are a group of people who make videos that present in a humorous way the everyday problems we face in the South. And if you're looking for a laugh, you can check out their YouTube channel, It's a Southern Thing. I promise it will give you a smile. For today's podcast, we are back in our study on the Daughters of Eve, but I wanted to do something different by combining three women into one lesson. Each have their own things to teach us, but they all have one common thread. They all tie back to Jacob. Let me ask you a question. Have you told yourself, I didn't plan for this to happen, or this was not the outcome I intended? If you have, you are not the only one. So often, in fact, most times, Life doesn't go the way we plan. The little and sometimes big surprises and unexpected bumps can throw us for a loop. The women we are talking about today all experience things that were unexpected and each of their stories has something to teach us. And maybe, just maybe, their lessons can help us cope with the unexpected in a better way. Our first woman is Bilha. She was a woman without freedom. She had no say in her life. We don't know anything about her except the fact that Laban gave her to his daughter Rachel once she married Jacob. It was essentially a transfer of ownership. She was like a piece of property shuffled around to benefit the right people without a thought of her own life. She had no say in her future. She was there to serve and to obey. One day, her mistress decides that she will become a concubine to her master Jacob. I can only imagine how awkward this was, even though it was not uncommon. Bilhah merely was a pawn used to score a point amid the sister's feud. Even though Bilhah produced two sons, they were not really hers to enjoy. It was Rachel, not Bilhah, who named the children. This makes you wonder how much of her children did this mother truly get to enjoy. She was completely ignored, merely seen for what she could accomplish, children not for who she was, a woman with real feelings. No one enjoys being used, but many have experienced this feeling. Sadly, her connection to Rachel as her handmaiden would play a part in the latter end of her story. Rachel has passed away, leaving Bilhah to fill her days with other tasks. Reuben, Leah's oldest, begins to notice her. Now, of course, we don't know how this came about, though I believe he did not force himself on her since the passage does not point to any aggressive situation, but I could be wrong about that. It is just my opinion. As I tried to put myself in her shoes, I couldn't help but think, she is a woman like any other, a woman who has needs and wishes. Reuben may have picked up on this and spoke sweet words to her, noticing her, something every woman longs for, to be seen for who she is. Remember, she was considered a nobody. She had been used all her life to accomplish someone else's wishes. Yet she was still a woman, one who longed to hear words of love spoken for and to her. In a critical moment, she let her guard down, and that led her to permit a shameful act to take place. 
This is an important lesson for all of us. We need to keep our guard up. Our heart must follow where we lead, not the other way around. If we take the world's advice and follow our heart, it will lead us to no good. It will lead us down the path of sin and self-pleasure and ultimately destruction because we know that in the heart dwells no good thing. As girls, especially, we need to be wise in who we hang around with and in what places. It is easy to be tempted to give in to a guy who seems so nice, says all the right things to you, especially if you are older and have not had a boyfriend yet. This can make you vulnerable if you are not walking with the Lord. We need to stay in His Word, fill ourselves with His wisdom, and surround ourselves with good companions. We need to guard what we watch, listen, and read. Romance books even Christian ones, can cultivate wrong thoughts and create wrong desires. We need to read things that are good and pure, ones that help us to grow closer to the Lord. Now, I have no objection to fiction. I love fiction, but just be careful in what you choose. Can I also put in a quick plug here about the importance of having some older friends? We all want and need friends our own age, but we also need the wisdom and discretion older people provide. God uses these individuals to help guide us through difficult situations or circumstances. They are older and they have more experience. They can help you face situations that they have faced and overcame. Their wisdom can help you avoid the mistakes they made. So be sure to try and make some friends with some older people. Don't ignore them or push them aside. After all, one day we will be old too. So I encourage you, find a few older women who you can befriend, who you can ask to mentor you. I promise that you will not regret it. Maybe if Bilha had had someone older in her life who cared about her, she would have avoided the embarrassment and disgrace that she faced later. Perhaps she felt that Reuben was truly interested in her and wanted to marry her. Maybe he could convince his father to let them get married. Then she would no longer be a nobody, but she would be someone's wife. Sadly, Reuben never had any honorable intentions toward her. It is more than likely he had some selfish ambitions in his actions, as is stated in one of the commentaries I found, which says, I quote, Reuben's relations with Bilhah are a power move as much as anything else. In that culture, a man who wanted to assert his superiority over another man might do so by having sexual relations with that man's wife or concubine. Reuben's actions may also have been an effort to elevate his own mother's Leah's standing in the home. With the death of Rachel, who had been Jacob's favorite, Bilhah, Rachel's servant, may have been able to move into a favored role. Unquote. Bilhah's life was never fully hers. She was just a pawn in someone else's hand, meant to accomplish a goal or purpose without any thought to her as a person. But even though she had little to say in her day-to-day, -day, she did have a choice in how she would respond. We all have been in situations where the circumstances were beyond our control, where people have used or abused us in some way, but we still have the power to control our response. Through Christ, we can overcome any temptation in any circumstance. Even though people have used us to benefit their own plans and our life has not turned out the way we had originally planned, that does not mean we have no purpose or that our life is a waste. Please know that wherever you are in life, you still matter. Your life still has meaning and you are worthy of love. We are never washed up. God can always use us for his glory. We just have to be willing. Zilpah is the second woman I want to talk about today. Zilpah's life in many ways mirrored Bilhah. 
both were from the household of Laban, and both were given to serve their previous master's daughters, and both would be caught in the sister's feud. Both women merely went about doing their job, and both would be called upon to do the unthinkable, to lay with their master in hopes of becoming pregnant. This is hard for any of us to wrap our minds around, how awkward it must have been to lay with her master. Rachel's actions, however bad they were, came from desperation. She wanted one thing, to have children. Yet Leah's decision to use her handmaid was based solely on outdoing her sister. Leah had already borne four healthy sons, but when she saw what Rachel was accomplishing through Bilhah, and she thought she might not produce any more children, she threw Zilpah into the mix. These two handmaidens were caught in the middle of two women vying for the same man's affections. Neither of these women knew what it was like to make a choice for themselves, and never knew real love. Their life of servitude was tainted by a power struggle between two grown women. You know, we are also called to live a life of servitude, but only our master asks us to do what is good and for our good. God never calls us to serve him for his own gain. The life we are called to will only lead to blessings. A life given in service to the King of Kings will only lead to honor, praise, and great reward. I want to be an obedient servant whose only desire is to do the will of him that sent me. Zilpah served someone who was ruled by their own selfish desires. We are called to serve the King of Kings who promises only good to those who heed his commands and listen to his voice. Our final woman for today is Dinah. Leah would go on to have a few more children, and her last child was a girl, the only girl in the family. Maybe it was lonely for Diana, even though there were a lot of people in her family and not to mention there was plenty of drama to go around. It could have been easy to get lost or even feel like no one noticed you. Her family had settled into a place God had told them not to. God had commanded her father to return to Bethel, but instead he chose to dwell in another city, which would place his family in a bad realm of influence and lead to a horrifying situation. We don't know how old Dinah was, but she was old enough to go out into town on her own. She chose to go and see the daughters of the land. This decision was bad for several reasons. The obvious one is that she never should have gone in the first place. They were pagan people who would not make good companions. They would have no good influence on her and only lead her astray. Second, she never should have gone alone. We should always seek to surround ourselves with good people, going back to what I said earlier about choosing good companions. The Bible warns about the company you keep. Proverbs 13:20 says, "He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed." Dinah made a critical error in judgment, placing herself in a vulnerable position, one that would lead to a devastating end. However, the day begins almost like a fairy tale. This common girl appears in town and catches the eye of the available prince. But this is where the fairy tale similarity ends. Prince Charming does more than just exchange pleasantries. He grabs her and commits sin. He does things completely backwards. Listen to how the story goes. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. And his soul clave unto Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the damsel and spake kindly unto the damsel. And Shechem spake unto his father Hamor, saying, Get me this damsel to wife. Did you catch it? It should have gone. Shechem sees her. His soul cleaves to hers. He loves her, speaks to his father, asking him to arrange the marriage, then the honeymoon. 
but he started on the other end. Even though Shechem does want to marry Dinah, the damage has already been done. She has been defiled. Her desire to see the daughters of the land, her curiosity, you might say, led to compromise and a shameful act, one that would lead to murder. But I will give credit to Shechem because he did want to marry her. The Bible calls attention to the fact that he was more honorable than all the house of his father. He could have taken her, abused her, and sent her on his way without a second thought, much like David's son Amnon did to his half-sister Tamar but not Shechem. His people were big enough to withstand any anger that Dinah's family could have thrown at them, but there was something inside of him that caused him to want to do right, to marry her even though the beginning was sour. His father goes on to talk to Jacob to try and offer a solution for this bad situation. Jacob seems to take a passive role in this conversation. His sons, on the other hand, her brothers, however, were the ones who reacted. Genesis 34 verse 7 says, And the sons of Jacob came out of the field when they heard it, and the men were grieved, and they were very wroth, because he had wrought folly in Israel in lying with Jacob's daughter, which thing ought not to be done. The word grieved carries the idea of being displeased, angry, or to be sorry. They were upset about the folly that had been brought upon their home. The word folly means wickedness or crime. This is how they saw the act that had been committed against their sister, and it is completely accurate. They did have the right to be upset, but they had no right to do what they did. They deceived Shechem and his father by saying they would agree to the marriage if all of the men of the city were circumcised. Both father and son agreed to this, and the entire male population underwent the painful process of being circumcised. When they were all at their weakest and most vulnerable point, Simeon and Levi went and murdered them all, grabbed their sister, and even went as far as to steal anything of value from the city, literally spoiling it. Now Jacob was upset, not because of what had happened to his daughter three days earlier, but because of the danger his sons put them in with the remaining inhabitants of the land, which is really sad if you think about it. Perhaps had Jacob acted as he should have, standing up for his daughter and calling for the right amends, his sons might never have felt the need or been allowed to act the way they did. But we will never know. What is also sad is that her family never once considered what was best for Dinah. Her brothers were only worried about themselves and how they had been offended and wronged. Never once is Dinah's feelings or opinions ever sought. It seems that the only one who cared was Shechem but their marriage was short-lived. Dinah, a girl with an unhappily ever after. Her decision to go into a town, to seek out girls who were not godly, would snowball into a horrible and bloody situation. This is an important lesson to all of us. Our choices, however little and insignificant they may seem in the beginning, can have far-reaching and costly outcomes. We must seek to make wise decisions, and the only way to do that is by staying close to God and reading his word daily. When we meditate on his word, we are promised success. We need to allow God's word to dwell in our hearts richly because that is the only way it will permeate our life and direct our steps. Can I encourage you to spend quality time with God every day reading his word? I'm not talking about checking off a list full of chapters or so many verses a day, but really digging into his word, searching the scripture for truths for you 
and allowing him to speak to you through his word saying, Lord, what do you want me to learn today? What words do you have for me today to take away and meditate on? A life guided by the word of God is a life well lived. And that wraps up our episode for today. May we all choose to live our life to the fullest and to the glory of God. It's our purpose for being created. The wonderful thing about our God is that even though we make mistakes and things happen that we never planned or intended to take place, he is still in control. He still desires to use us. Please know that your past does not determine your future. The Bible is full of people who accomplished mighty things for God, even though their start was a little rough. When we come to God, when we seek his face and ask him to forgive us for our wrongs, he will cleanse us, renew us, restore us, and use us to accomplish his plans and bring glory to his name. Just like the prodigal son, his father waited every day for him. Even though he had lived the wild life, even though he had wasted all of his substance, the day he came to himself and realized he wanted to go home, his father was already waiting there with a ring, with a robe, to kill the fatted calf to celebrate his son's return. And that story is told for our benefit, to represent our father who is always waiting for us to return. He will never turn you away. He just sits and waits. Will you come to me, my child? I will cleanse you. I will renew you. I will restore you. And I can still use you. So would you come to him? Don't let your past hinder your future with him. He loves you and he is waiting for you to come back. And I pray that God will bless you today, that you'll know his love and that you will seek him with a whole heart and serve him with your life. Thank you.